You are listening to Net Talk Night Job Podcast. Chai's mixed it. Yeah. All right, so you pay dial. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome to the Net Talk Niger podcast. Azuka was telling me that you that you are a listener. So any thoughts on our podcast so far? Very, very um <laughs> that's what it, 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 it takes me back memory lane. Especially for you know when we're in school. <laughs> we call our escapade. Yes. It took me back memory lane and you know, it just you know, just you know those memories <laughs> that you thought that you had like forgotten. You don't know that you still have them in your memory bank stored somewhere. So just it's like, you know, when I heard those conversations, you know, it just made me relieve <laughs> those experiences and I was just laughing, like, you know, how did I cope, you know? <laughs> if I was a if I was a I think we are we are, we are millennials, are we? We are. Yeah, technically we are, but yeah. we are like the older ones, yeah. like the oh, very so, old. So I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm like, if if it was a Gen Z era, ah, people would have been committing suicide <laughs> or, or <laughs> severe case of depression, you know, <laughs> or you know, honestly, because kids of nowadays they can't take they can't take stress, so suckers will go through hardship. And of course, um, I think I also what I listened. Hmm. Which one did I listen to again? Or, um, okay, I think I was listening to one on, I think when you're 40, 40 like the 40 plus something, like health, you know, I think the one about your health, like when you're mm. 40, you know, like it's, it's, it's nice, it's nice, yeah. it's nice, very engaging, very engaging. I mean, very, very engaging. Yeah, thanks, Ife. Okay, I also listened to the one on, I think the Wakanda episode or so, you know, with all the issues, you know, trying to be politically correct. Oh, okay. You know, you know, and I was like, wow, okay. I like, and I mean, I love your thought process that you guys also are, are aligning to that thought pattern. Okay, okay. Like yesterday, I was reading someone's write-up on toxic masculinity, and he said it doesn't exist. You know, he said there is masculine and there is feminine. There is masculinity and there is femininity. That it is the character of the person that is toxic. Not so you cannot um, okay. group a gender by your own peculiar experience you know it's like maybe because like for instance, let's say maybe i dated like five women and mm. all those five women were nasty to me does that now mean that the over 3.5 billion women are nasty you know so it really made me realize that you know we have to now be very careful to the things we listen to but of course i've always known that media is, is controlled by a certain minority minority that wants you to that wants to that wants to influence the way you think. I've known that one from a while. But the general populace, they don't still do. So until they eat yeah. take the is it the red pill? It's the red pill that brings yeah. awareness. So a lot of people are taking the matrix. So so that's so that's that, you know. I mean thanks. I, I think for me personally, I don't think um either way. I think um, the, the, there's a risk to be stuck in the bubble either way. Mm. So a lot of these narratives are being pushed, whether it's just like the examples you're giving, mm. whether does toxic masculinity exist or does it exist or all those kind of things. I think what I've realized in the media is that then another part of the media or social media now tries to push another anti-narrative extend that it now also defeats from the maybe the element of what the first thing is trying to talk about that actually makes sense so that's the balance is just out of place because Mm. i think social media is a big um 
what's the word I'm looking for? Big factor in that. I mean, back in the day, you know how they used to say, ah, CNN always used to make Africa look bad. And, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a narrative we've always had since we we're young. That, ah, they always yeah. talk about the negative of Africa. Yeah. are probably responsible for why a lot of foreigners that are not as exposed will look yeah. at Africa like one jungle and whatever. So they'll say, I think things <laughs> like CNN and whatever. But the truth is that, at least at that point in time, we knew that, okay, this is CNN. We took yeah. we took the basic information. At least they, even if they, they had, even if there's a narrative, whatever you want to call it, they still reported it because, okay, there was a crash today. It happened. So you, you hear that. Or yeah. the, the stock market went down. You hear that. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then you took yeah. the bit for now. Because of social media and everybody trying yeah. to get clicks and all these kind of things. So everybody's pushing one narrative or the other. The whole thing is just like a mess. But any harsher. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's all good, my brother. It's all good. <laughs> okay, thanks. So if I, I mean, for people who might be listening, can you do it like a, a introduction of yourself? Yeah. All right. So, okay, my name is Ife Dayo Osutui. Like I like to be known by my alias now, which is Ife the Baker. And um, okay, I'm a pharmacist by training, or baker by passion. Yeah. Uh, I I run my bakery to make um, big goods, sweet treats. And then now I'm now um, moving towards. Um, or maybe, let me put this. I'm I'm now trying to concentrate more on catering to people that have special food preferences. So for the likes of those that have um, certain food sensitivities. Um, those that are having some certain medical conditions that will not warrant them to take some certain foods. You know, then we have other issues, um, children with certain cognitive challenges that they have to have some certain food classes removed from their diet. I desire now to cater to that particular um, community. So, so that's, that's, so I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to enlighten, to empower, to help people make better food choices. Wow, great. These three guys grew up as very small boys in one house. It was called Ocean House, yeah. Imperial Government College of Dubulu. So we, we have known each other since we were about nine, ten. So yeah. off and on, you know, as life took us in different directions, off and on, we didn't see each other for a while. But so if you hear banter and inside jokes, just accept it. We've known ourselves for a long time. So uh, <laughs> I guess that's what I wanted to say. But let me go first. An experience I had, we had with you, you said I, uh, as kids, yeah. was, uh, maybe you just clarified, was it, was it that you were lactose intolerant or something? Because that's kind of, kind of pushed you in the direction which you're going uh, with food preferences so, now. Was it that you were lactose intolerant? So I know you reacted with the milk we normally use. So I think that what happened then was that, you know, um, just as the way some buzzwords fly around and people just want to identify with those buzzwords. I think then in the 90s or early 80s, well, I think of course I was born in 1981. So um, some few years after my birth, you know, I, my parents discovered that I had um, a bit of food allergy. So they went to see a doctor and the doctor now discovered that anytime I take dairy, I have... Okay. Um, severe dermatitis, you know. So they just assumed it was lactose intolerance. You understand? Like, because of like a buzzword. So it was after, oh, okay. so I also thought I was lactose intolerant. So, you know, so it's with time, yeah. of course, I outgrew it, you know, and um, that's the story for another day. But along the line, I started doing my own personal research and I discovered that 
you know, based on the symptoms that I had when I was growing up, it wasn't actually lactose intolerant because lact- the symptoms I experienced was different from the symptoms people with lactose intolerance experience. Most typical um, um, uh, um, what do you call it, effect of those that take dairy that are lactose intolerance is di- diarrhea, um, gastrointestinal disturbances. And, I, and the reason why is that the sugar, which is the la- lactose in the dairy, they, there's a particular enzyme that is supposed to break it down for it to be digested. So it's not broken down. So it just, it's just in the tummy and it ferments. So of course it causes all those disturbances. But I actually was allergic to the protein, which is casein. The protein that is only found in dairy. So my body used to have a sort of allergic reaction. You understand now? So I, well, I think you guys, we are science students now. We have a science background. Now, there's a difference between... Um, okay, let me put it this way. There are two agents in dairy that can lead to reactions when ingested. One, lactose, which is a sugar. Now, if you don't have the enzyme, which is the lactase, that is essential, I mean, or basically that is necessary to break down that sugar, you will have the symptoms of gastrointestinal disturbances, bloating, that is with lactose intolerance. But I discovered that I didn't have those symptoms. My, react, my own symptoms were more prone to immunological you know, reactions, which is why we call them allergic. You know, My body, I had inflammation anytime I take dairy. So I discovered it was actually the protein in dairy, which is casein. So that's when I knew that mine wasn't actually lactose. You know. So along the line, you know, with my venturing into community practice, you know, at the earlier start of my career, you know, I'll have clients that will come in, I'll see their skin, you know, they'll have issues with allergic reactions, they don't know what they've eaten, we'll point to this, we'll point to that, you know, and of course, a lot of them, of course, we know fully well that majority of Nigerians don't like going to hospitals because of the cost, you know, when they have a condition, they just want to come to pharmacy, you know, and you know, let and um, they trust that by the time the pharmacist, let me put this way, clacks them, you know, he will give them the right medications to treat their ailment. But not all pharmacies are knowledgeable about the right treatment for allergic reactions. Even not all pharmacies know how to identify when this is a food allergy. So that made me start, you know, I started getting more curious that, okay, now you have, for those that have discovered the challenges they have, which is a food reaction or a food allergy, a lot of them don't know the options that they should now, you know, include in their diet, you know, because majority of the things they've been eating, which has been causing this allergy, is what they've been exposed to for years. So now having to, you know, go and change their diet, you know, there is no one that would advise them that, okay, these are the things you should take, these are the things that you shouldn't take. So I mean, I became more curious that, okay, let me get into that market. Let me see how I can, you know, try and bring my own solutions to the problem. So I think that's where my journey into, you know, catering for people with special food preferences started. Yeah, thanks, Ife. Since we've known you from school, that, that the, the condition that you had, and which, yes. which you described very well now. I, I mean, I, yeah. as yeah. I had brought this up with me before, and I, I even said to him, I said, that's definitely not lactose intolerance, because mm. a lot of us are probably lactose intolerance, uh, intolerance. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I, I suspect that I am myself. And just like mm. you said, the the usual reaction is because you don't have the oh, okay. or it's diarrhea yeah. or you know you fat a lot and all those kind of things. Yes, so yes, yes. You said for me. A lot of us have that. We just don't know. We just want to keep drinking milk. <laughs> and we know that yes. we just go to toilets and fine with it. But def- I think, so have you discovered what it is called? Because it seems like a rare... Um, 
reaction to you know the component of milk as you described. So is there a name for it? Uh, well, I I, well, I would just say it's casein allergy. You know, okay. I, I I might not be able to say okay because definitely I never I don't think there is a term for it. You know, mm. like maybe if somebody has um you know there's this condition that there's um, GC GC phosphate. What's it called? What's that? You know that condition that there's there are some medications you shouldn't take if you have that GC. Yeah, G, um, the enzyme. I don't know, is, is it the liver enzyme thing, right? Like if you take sulfur groups, you have mm. this bad reaction. Anyway, so I, I haven't really seen a place that is, like, it, it, I, don't, I haven't seen a terminology for that condition, but I just know that it is basically um, sensitivity to casein. You know, the body, your body cannot break it down. There's a particular enzyme that your body needs to break it down. So once your body doesn't have it, that protein, will, the body will identify it. Anytime you ingest anything dairy, your body will identify that protein as a foreign body, so it will now react negatively to it. So that's that's what I know, you know for now. Okay, but from your research, obviously it is rare, right? Yeah, well, it's not common. You know, because that we, maybe it's not. It's, uh, that well, this, I think I think the thing is, is it's not common in, in this part of the country. It's not commonly diagnosed. It's not common, and that's even if it's diagnosed at all, because there's a certain if a child has mm. a reaction, you know, anytime you ingest anything and it has a reaction if it goes to see the pediatrician there's a test they must run on that child it's called a rast test r-a-s-t so it is from that rast test that they will now carry out they will, they will you know run the, the blood sample on various um agents which are probable um uh, what do you call it allergic comp uh, allergic um, agents you know and if the child has any reactions to them, then they will certify that child as allergic to this, 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 this. So it's not common. So it's because a lot of Nigerians still don't know about. That's why you know. That's why this thing they call buzzword. It is when people start hearing about. Oh, okay, somebody is lactose intolerant. Or am I lactose intolerant? So a lot of people don't know because, and of course, the thing is that a lot of people don't report it because even as, as a child, when a when a parent um, has a child having certain conditions, it's not a lot of medical doctors that are that are trained to be mm. able to identify that. Okay, this is what is wrong with your child. Of course, majority of Nigerians don't even go to private hospitals where they will have a pediatrician that would even see the child, and even for the for the. Once I even go to um, the public facilities, public healthcare facilities, the pediatrician, before the pediatrician sees the child, to be able to diagnose, a lot of parents don't put priority on such conditions. A lot of parents would be like, ah, it is the severe ones. Maybe the child is having sepsis or is having an upper respiratory tract infection. That is when the parents will even see the pediatrician. Most of the time, you notice a child that is born that has any sort of uh, skin challenge, They'll go and see a pharmacy, you know, and maybe mm -hmm. the pharmacy will say, use this, use that. And of course, they'll have a neighbor that will say, okay, apply this cream. And so they'll keep doing trial and error until the child, you know, outgrows it. Or you understand? So that's a challenge in Nigeria. And of course, we don't have data. That's another thing in Nigeria. So it's, it's a parent that is well informed before going to see. Because for me, when I went to see the pediatrician and I complained, I, it was from my own history that I now... I told the pediatrician that why don't you run a test? Because okay, I, okay, sorry, I my son actually had gluten sensitivity, so that's when I actually discovered oh, okay. this RAS test. Yes, yes. So, so it was when we now conducted that test that we now discovered that okay, the test can identify various agents that an individual reacts to, and it was because I, you know, for my own um, family history, 
my my own mom had a bit of allergies. My aunt had allergies. I had allergies. So when my son was already having some skin issues, I mm. had to, I just took him to the pediatrician. I didn't even see a general practitioner. I just went to a pediatrician that we should run this test. And of course, another thing again is that the test is very expensive. Wow. So and of course, even if if you see a pediatrician, mm. you actually have to now see a pediatric dermatologist. <laughs> you know. So, and like I said, a lot of us in Nigeria, even in the healthcare sector, we are not ready to identify this challenge. It's almost like the child will outgrow it. You understand? Mm. The child will outgrow it. And some children don't outgrow it. You know, it leaves their skin scarred for years. Yeah. You know, but because I was very proactive about it. That was yeah. why, you know, because we actually saw a pediatrician, we saw a pediatric dermatologist. And I actually had to now, because another thing again is that even though we saw all these people, they were just trained to kill the fire. They were not able to tell me, okay, these are the things that you should now remove from the child's diet. These are the things that you now substitute because, okay, a baby is growing, mm. you know, and he's not having this, that, this, you have to remove dairy, you have to remove all these things. So what are you going to now include? Because all the, because, and another thing I have to now let you know is that because we have to remove diet for my, my, we have to remove dairy from my son's diet. We now discovered because, um, we had to remove those things. We had discovered that later he wasn't developing well. His um his uh, extremities were not developing well. So we had to go and see a pediatric uh, auto, uh, uh, orthopedic uh, pediatrician, and that's when he now told us that because my son wasn't taking dairy, he was he had vitamin D deficiency, so which led to rickets. So you know mm-hmm. it's it's a very it's a very long journey, but you know so that thing made me really desirous of. You know, informing parents that okay, even if you have a child that has special food preferences, you have to ensure that you fortify the child's food with certain things because as a child that is growing, you know, most parents, you know, after the child wants to be weaned, they buy formulas that are already fortified with calcium, they're fortified with the necessary vitamins. But if your child doesn't have all this um food, like your you know, your the normal baby formula has been fortified. So if the child cannot take these formulas and is taking just general foods. Or the parents yeah. even know what the child should take. You know that they have to now include supplement in the child's diet to fortify what he's missing out from his uh, the breast milk or the cereal or the baby formula. So we didn't know. Well, luckily for me, maybe because I quickly identified that since my son wasn't developing properly, we went to see the doctor. When they ran another test, they found that he actually had because of he had removed a lot of. Um, foods from his system. He was now deficient in vitamin D, which led to rickets. So we had to now include vitamin D. <laughs> we had to include calcium in his diet. You know, we had to now become deliberate on, you know, wow. the food. I mean, his food, was, his food had to now be very proteinous. He had to be taking egg, boiled egg every day. You know, calcium, um, calcium and vitamin C 1000 every mm-hmm. day. Vitamin D high strength every day, you know. You have to be on multivitamins wow. every day, blood tonic every day, because, you know, since when he was, because uh, from the age of uh, wow. four months, when my was not really breastfeeding very well anymore, you know, he wasn't taking formula. So, so many things. And we didn't want, and of course, let me be honest, we're not financially buoyant to buy a lot of all this, you know, the formulas that were out there were foreign and they were very expensive. I mean, the ones you could take because the ones that were really in the market, the popular ones were, they had dairy in them and they had gluten in them. So he couldn't take those ones. So the ones that were non, that were yeah. non-dairy, non-gluten, very expensive. I mean, they're going to like 25,000, 45,000 for like a... 500 gram jar. I know some of the times they finish those jars in three days. So we're like, wow, we couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford it. So, you know, it really, 
So, you know, that thing really made me realize that we have a lot of foods that are, are very affordable, but because parents don't know that their children from the ages of six months can be taking these foods. So they will feel that the baby should still take formula from six months to one year, which is not true. But even dietitians are not equipped with this knowledge for those that are on the non-dairy, non-gluten spectrum. So, you know, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done. A lot, a lot. And I must even tell you that even children with autism, they discover that when their diet has been formulated in such a way that gluten isn't included and dairy is not included, their cognitive skills improve drastically, you know. But we don't have dietitians or nutritionists now. Or we, we might have them in Nigeria, but we don't have enough to raise that awareness. So a lot of parents, because I've had parents that have you know, heard me speak that, okay, you know, now their child, you know, it's not easy. They have a child that is autistic, but the child can't take cake. The child can't take gluten, the child can't take bread, the child can't take cereal. And they, so what would the child take? And they have other kids. So will they have to be preparing this food for this child, preparing that one? It's not easy because all these parents have their own nine to five. So it's a struggle. A lot of them have to import their foods out from out of the country. And these things are expensive, you know. And sometimes some of these children don't even like the food that are brought. <laughs> you know, so I just said, no, this this is something I need to focus on. It's been, you know, it's something mm-hmm. I've been toiling with, you know, for that. Is there a market for it? Is there a need? But I've started, you know, coming across a lot of parents that are, you know, you know, but you know, they, we, we need to build a community, you know. That's the thing. We need to build a community where parents can come and air their concerns and let them know that locally, because my goal is that whatever we're going to the solution be the solution should be locally sourced, you know, should be locally sourced. We have a lot of things. And let me even okay. inform you, our local our diet is actually gluten free. Our our look our own diet. Most of the foods that we eat now is all really? imported. They are foreign. Yeah, all these fries, chicken, crispy chicken, uh, cereal, bread. Our diet, our African diet, is not really bread. Our African diet is not pasta. It's not um, what do you call this thing? It's not pastry, donuts, yeah. um, sausages, um, you know, noodles. Yeah. Um, even let me tell you, semo, semolina is not our diet. It's imported. It's from Italy. It's an, it's more of like a, they use it for making pa, a, a pizza, semolina, and it's and semolina is actually is gluten, is is okay. wheat based. Yes. So a lot of people don't know. So even if somebody says, oh, mm-hmm. uh, you are allergic to wheat, don't take. You know, the, what comes to mind is bread. What comes to mind is chinchin. What comes to mind is spaghetti. But Things like uh, semo is wheat based. Your malt drinks are wheat based. Even along the along the line, along the, uh, at the on the course of my journey, we discovered mm. our cereals like cornflakes. They add what they call malt extract as flavoring. That malt extract is a derivative of barley, and barley is wheat based. So a child that is gluten sensitive should not that should not be taking cereals that have been flavored with malt extract. So a child that has gluten sensitivity should not drink any malt beverage like Ovaltine, you know. And even some of our seasoning, some of our cold meats, our sausages, they yeah. bulk some of these things with. But if you don't, if you're not knowledgeable, you just be consuming these things, you'll be wondering, oh, what am I allergic to? What am I allergic to? I've removed this one. I've decided I should not eat bread. They say I should not eat chinchin. They say I should not eat pastry. But you are still having allergies because all these other things, you know, you don't know that it still has wheat added to it. I think, honestly, as you are just talking, it's just making, it's really, really revealing a lot. Yeah. 
some quick questions if I so you said uh, for example, like for autistic children right you said yeah. their, um, their gluten-free diet increases their cognitive um, abilities so yes. I, you, you've mentioned cereal so i just wanted to get to get clarity you said even conflicts because of the malt extracting too is not good right yes now the thing is that personally i've tried to research on why they add the, the malt extract to it why it's common that it's almost like you know when you have um your your coca-cola and it has that dark color, which is um, caramel color. So mm-hmm. it's not that it is necessary, but I think it's for appeal, like a, maybe to um, give it a, a, a certain kind of taste. So everyone does it now. Every every company that makes conflict, they add that more. So it is just those that have discovered that okay, we want to we, are, we want to target those that have gluten sensitivity that are not including the malt extract to their, to their conflicts. Okay, so there's gluten-free cereal. Yes, but you won't find it in Nigeria. You won't find it in Nigeria. Okay, you won't find because it's not of a concern <laughs> to people. Yeah, know. okay. Yeah. But abroad, have. yes, they, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are gluten-free cereal. Is there cereal any now. popular brand you are familiar with? Yes, okay, now, Tesco, because there was a time I actually asked my aunt to help me get and so she bought for me so tesco has their own brand of gluten-free cereal so it's conflicts they have conflicts they have rice krispies so they just wrote there gluten-free so when you now read the label it doesn't have the malt extract added to it so it's just your corn um toasted corn that's all mm, okay thanks so um we really delved into something but it, it actually took us away from i just wanted to ask <laughs> Some questions at the beginning, but because yeah. of what you said was so interesting to me, kind of, too, but so that we don't miss that as well. So, yeah. but you are, you are still practicing as a pharmacist, right? Uh, right now, I'm I'm now fully involved in the production of um, gluten-free. Okay, okay, let me put it this way: well, as a, like like pharmacist, you're always a pharmacist, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm still a pharmacist, but I'm now putting like let me put seventy percent of my energy in um, building products. For those in in that um, space, those that cannot take, that are allergic to gluten, that are allergic to casein. So I have um, these products, cookies now, that I mm. just started producing. I've been working on them for a while because, you know, my son, when he has to go to school, there we don't have any um, snacks available for him to take. So mm. I had to now develop his own, his own snack. So, of course, some people started taking it and they were like, okay, this is not bad. I mean, for because I didn't use gluten, I used them. Um, I used this uh, grain. It's called uh, acha. Mm. It's a local grain. It's uh, I think uh, Azuka should know oh, it. Oh, okay. The, I know the, it. Yes, acha. So I, I formulated yeah, yeah, I acha, rice flour, and um, oats flour, and you know it came out very nice. And people are like, okay, that a lot of people really need this. So that's what we are presently trying to do now to see how we can get them in stores. You know, get them in pharmacies. You know, so that's where we are right now. So, so I, was, I still practice as a pharmacist, but it's more of a seventy percent into um, producing this gluten-free snacks, and then thirty percent of pharmacy. Okay, thanks. I mean, of course, yeah, still a pharmacist. I, I think my question was more about like you know around maybe hospital practice or community practice. So, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of community practice in a way. Even if it's yes. yeah. All right. Thanks. So I mean, sorry to hear about your son. Obviously, this just shows that um it's it's hereditary, right? Well, you know, the funny thing is that I just I looked at it as a mission. You know, it just you it's just that sometimes when God wants to deliver people from their bondage, 
he has to he needs a messenger you know mm. so I, i look at the story of moses you know moses had to go through a period whereby you know because if you don't experience the plight of what people are going through by your own, having a personal story you might not know how necessary you have to put your voice in it so i know i so i i i know that i i take it as an honor like an honor badge sort of because hmm. you know it made me realize you know for my son you know then when we go out there was only a time that we went out so we went out to eat and by the evening his whole lips were already sore they were hmm. massive sore he was bleeding profusely in fact i was during the christmas period and it was because you know what we just realized was that some of the seasoning that wow. we used actually it had it had milk in it like um, you know you'd be surprised in fact when i was and as if you'd be surprised some of the adjectives they include in some of these um, packaged goods that we consume you know they a lot of these things they add them for flavor yeah. they add them for, for you know uh, i don't know maybe the taste and things to make it appealing to the eye but at the end of the day if you don't read the labels and you have allergies to one of those things you won't know that that is the thing that is causing your challenge so you know so for him we're not like so anytime we have to go out there we have to pack his own food specially for him if you go to eat food you cannot order anything that might have been cooked with wheat like you can't take burger you can't take pizza you know you can't take um, even you can't take ice cream on a cone you understand because of the fear of it might have been contaminated mm. with them um, so there are a lot of parents out there that you know they are having a challenge but they don't know that there is a way around it there's always a way around it but so yeah, i really want to empower them you know so yeah, thank it, you, it, it joy. yeah thank you I, i really want to go into your son's diet currently how old is he yeah. now he's five going on going to five yeah okay so before we get into his diet um because of you know the experience and some of the perceptions and maybe misconceptions we had when we witnessed yeah. you with your condition as a child um so is have you outgrown it or do you are you do you still have have you have you totally changed your own diet as well to prevent having those reactions or is this something that you've outgrown maybe it's more predominant in in children and then also just to add it as well you can answer all of them together in that bed we had this It's probably a misconception. I don't know, but we had this uh, perception that you had a special kind of milk you used to take because you you couldn't take yeah. cow milk. In fact, I remember this, there was yeah. a joke around that your own milk was goat milk, something like that. <laughs> I remember that as, as children. So I just just to give us the perception. So what was the you were taking some kind of milk? What was the type of milk that you were able to yeah. take? I think yeah. when you had reactions was when maybe you mistakenly took milk or maybe yeah. you're not. Yeah. So just to clear that misconception, and then have you outgrown it, and then we can now go into your okay. son's diet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So actually, you know, and that's the thing. I thank God for my parents. You know, my dad is a pharmacist. My mom schooled abroad, so they were very enlightened. You know, so um, when they discovered that I couldn't take um, dairy, they knew that. I mean, they can't have a child that you'll be seeing his siblings. Although when I was growing up, since I couldn't take dairy, my other siblings too. It was more like everybody had to face the same timetable, you understand? So what they did was that they were getting me coffee mate. That was what I was taking. So, I mean, you know, I had an aunt that was in UK. So she normally sends them down. And then when my mom travels, she also buys them in jars. So that was what I was using. And then I had this, um, the, um, she also bought, well, there was this particular brand of hot chocolate that I used to buy and uh, that I used to take. So she, I was always getting everything I take from abroad, you know. Then I, so to your question that I've outgrown it, yes, I did. I've outgrown it. Uh, so what I wanted to say was that, you know, I know that uh, it, there's a percentage of your 
listeners that are secular, and I know you, I know this is a secular um, platform, but I must talk about the hand of God in it. Yeah, because for a long time, even till I was in university, I was still having, you know, off and on severe cases of dermatitis, you know, because that was always the easiest way to identify that I had, I still have those uh, allergies. So I was just like, okay, I removed. So I was now wondering that maybe my body has now become so sensitive to anything, you know. So then I, I now went to church. I, I mean, I must let you know. I went to church. And I just said, God, that I need this thing to be removed, you know. And and I and I believe that I got my healing. And from there, I stopped having it. So I can so I can say I'm completely about completely outgrown it. But it actually took. I mean, this one because I still ha- used to have the symptoms coming on and off even till I think till my 200 to 300 level. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But generally, uh, thanks. If I, I mean, it's a yes. You, it's a, you can call it a secular podcast. But I mean, we do yeah, talk yeah. about about. We are still Christians. We talk about uh, religion and um, and you know spirituality as well. And I would like you to listen to our the third episode, which will drop next week Wednesday. It's very interesting because we really go deep into religion. Oh, and it would be wow. nice to get it would be nice to get your perspective on on what we talk about. I'll, I'll. I'll, I will, I will, I will. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so back to it, like, but generally from your research, is it something yeah. that people would outgrow uh, as adults? Because, I mean, maybe not, maybe everybody might not have the miraculous uh, intervention that you had, but do generally people outgrow it as adults or, or just get milder or from your research, do you have an idea of that? Okay, so what I will now say concerning that is that I think that, now let me put this way, now, Generally, a large population that has these allergies, they normally, from research actually, it has shown from research from the ages of 11, 10, they are great. They don't have the symptoms again. But I have come to realize that there is actually a case of, you know, adults, a certain group of adults that at a certain age, maybe in their 30s, 20s, they start having some reactions that is as a result of consumption of gluten and dairy, that they can't outgrow it. They have to change their diet. They have to remove those things from their diet forever. So it could, so that one now started, so from, from, my, from my own research, it's from a line of what they call, there's this thing they call gut health, your gut, your sofa gut, that some certain kind of people or some certain group of people, they are not able to digest this protein even to, add to adulthood. So when it enters, when they eat these foods, these proteins are they, they, they seep into their bloodstream because it's not digested and then it now leads to all sorts of allergic reactions. So those ones, they have to just, you know, stay away from dairy. There's nothing they can do about that. And most of the time, those people in that line, they also advise them to now, you know, reduce that or even remove refined foods from their diet. I mean, they have to now go the healthy eating, you know, no refined foods, no fried foods, no refined flour, removing of uh, sweeteners such as refined sugars you know the whole works you know they have to start eating things that are organically grown you know they can't take things that are you know processed things that are preserved in cans you know things like that so well, that's that's another different um, topic entirely. Yeah, thanks, Ife. So obviously, some cases of adult onset, but I think what you said is good, is at least some level of respite. So maybe around the ages of eleven, maybe most people yeah. will grow, but there's a potential yeah. for adult onset um, milk allergy. Is it case allergy? <laughs> yes, 
yes. Okay, cool. So thanks for you know going there and really clearing our misconceptions from childhood about <laughs> the condition. Because okay. I, I I just remember it, but is it is it is it would it be safe to say maybe yours was a severe form of it? Because if this is undiagnosed mm. and because we know that I mean in Nigeria, every child will obviously would have, will be taking milk at some point in their life. Yeah. I just feel like if they had reactions as severe as yours as what we witnessed, I think the mm. potential that it will be reported more will probably mm. be high. So maybe do you think that maybe a lot of the cases are maybe not as severe as you know what you had maybe um, that's why it's under underreported yeah my well yeah you have a point there mine was actually a very severe case honestly and i also think that a lot of times a lot of parents underreported i feel so because you know and um, when they might look at the roots or the route of having to get the treatment it might be a bit of a hassle for them so they just go for um what do you call it Medi- um herbal preparations you know and then they just keep trying trying you'd be surprised how many people have terrible skin conditions but because these are things that i know we are not we don't tend to see you know like people you don't see people raising their legs up you know and of course maybe the population again might not be as uh how would i put it this way um it might be a, like a case of one one out of maybe 50 but because i know in that environment where that one is you might feel it under you might not feel it exists but a lot of cases like okay now you know that when i went to the hospital to for my son's diagnosis concerning his wicked the doctor i saw actually told me that there is actually an increase in children having um vitamin d rickettsia uh, the vitamin d de- uh, uh, deficiency that is resulting to rickets but you will never know and these are and these are not and the, the, the people that i saw in the hospital these are learned people in fact there was even this child that i saw the parents were very learned. They they were they are very learned. A lot of parents they learned, but so they were, they were so the doctor was actually conducting a research that why is there a recurrence? Because you know it's something that we grew up. I mean, we knew when we were kids that we get something that is like so maybe deficiency. People that are poor, people that don't have enough, and uh, that their food is not well nourished. But these are people people that in fact my my sister's neighbor, the children had wicked. And so it led to uh, bow legs. My own church member to had wicked that led to bow legs. So you know, but a lot of times you might just see a family member. The family member will tell them that oh, it would, it would, um, um, it would, the, the child would recover from it. And of course, so these two um, individuals that I spoke about, I don't think they even went to the doctor. I think when the child was just um, four or five, the legs started straightening. But for us, my son, we had to, you know, include um, supplements in his diet to correct the anomaly. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah. is it that there's a, there's a vitamin D deficiency in a lot of the things that we're, I mean, I mean that, is it that a lot of the foods we are eating? Uh, vitamin yeah. D deficient. Is that, yeah. is that okay? Maybe, and also, yeah. like you mentioned, maybe a lot of the processed things, cereal, all those kind of things, maybe the vitamin D in there is not enough or what? Mm-hmm. That was the question. Yeah, okay, like, okay, now let me put it this way. Now, you know, then when, um, when, when people, I mean, how do I put this way? The case of uh, cancer, I mean, people have had cancer for years, but I'm sure with research, it's how it's covering the relationship between. Some certain exposures to cancer, you know. So that's that's what that's what curiosity and research leads to. A lot of times, because things are not being reported, 
then they are not able to identify what is costing the occurrence. Well, it is when things are being, it's when things are reported and there's research that is done that people can identify that, okay, this might be the causes of this thing. So, like now, look at our diet. When we were growing up, first of all, we eat at home. Even when we're in primary school, we eat at home before we go to school. You know, and then in school, we're not taking um, drinks like all these um, different brands of um, sweetened drinks that we have now, different brands of flavored drinks we have now. We're not taking them. I mean, I wasn't taking them when I was in school, you know, unless it be on special occasions. And of course, you know, I also had my own special condition that I that wouldn't even allow them to give me in school. But look at most of the children that we have now. A lot of times, their parents or, or, or the parents don't have time for to prepare the children's meal. The, the food that the children are eating are not well nourished. A lot of times, the children are either eating rice, 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 either they take rice and stew, or jollof rice, or or rice and something, or noodles, noodles and eggs, you know. So, particular children that need some of these essential um, vitamins and uh, what do you call it, uh, minerals, they are not having them. So, it will occur, the conditions will start showing up on their uh, physiological appearance because there's a deficiency, you know. And you'll be surprised that it's just because, you know, like I said, so many things are not still being reported. We'll start seeing a case of diabetes on the rise in the nearest future because of the exposure of refined drinks. I mean, well, not just refined drinks, drinks that have been sweetened with refined sugar. We'll start seeing the occurrence. When I was working in, I mean, the hospital before I left, I started seeing an occurrence of 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds on isopertensive. And these are not, I'm not talking about the amlodipine. They're talking about the, the exwatch, the amlodipine plus the bafetan, those strong combinations. People that are not yet in their 40s, as I've seen the occurrence, no ones, people that have to come in for ECG. And I'm like, but if you look at it, most of the time, when we leave the house, we are in drive for how many hours in traffic, we get to an office that there's high, there's pressure. Then when we go for our break, our lunch break, we go to a place where the food has no nutritional value, but we'll be like, well, what, uh, what options do we have? You understand? So it's just because we, there's no one talking about it. And even the nutritionist or the dietitian is being employed by an hospital. So she's not even having the chance to even say, okay, from the record that I'm seeing, let me do a sort of a statistics and do analysis on this result and then try and educate people. She's more like, I'm just doing my nine to five um, patients. This is what you need to take and go. And then another thing is, even the medical doctors that are having such um, encounters with such patients, do they educate them? They're not, the medical doctors are not even equipped. That's the truth. Their training doesn't equip them. Their training is just equipping them to burn out fires. Their training doesn't really equip them to, on preventive care. So they, don't, they won't educate you on, okay, oh, okay, ma, you are, your son is going to be six months and you might want to start winning this child, please, before you start introducing so, 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 and so formulas, please try and carry out so, so, so tests to be sure your child will be, there will be, there'll be, there'll be no issues with sensitivity. But I mean, we know that we are living in a world where some of these um, you know, health practitioners are being sponsored by these people in this industry. So it's, <laughs> it's a challenge to say, you know, these doctors would even want to voice out their opinion on some certain formulas because if they want to go for some courses, if they want to go for some training, is this industry that would also support or sponsor their training. So it's, it's really a very 
difficult conversation to have. Yeah, I mean that one is there, but I think the maybe the most the the most overriding one is the fact that this is like a specialization in itself. I mean, just like you have kind of carved out a space in probably in pharmacy. Hopefully, yeah. you'll be the first of many. I don't even know if you're the first, but let's at least you're the first I know that is kind of focusing on this area as a pharmacy. So hopefully that will lead to more people coming up. So I think the area of specialization is not something that people are looking into. I think there are doctors are actually specialized in this childcare, dietary, nutrition thing, just that there are a few of them. And usually if you are lucky enough to be referred to them, their services mm -hmm. are usually very expensive because you are, yeah. because yeah. they are just pure and far between. So that that's what I've realized for, for things like this. So that's another challenge in itself. Okay. All right. Okay. First off, uh, I, I want to say, I want to applaud you guys as dads because I've been listening. I've, I've just sat back and was just listening for a while. So I want to applaud you guys as dads and say well done. Noticing what what's going on with your kids and then reacting from it, hey, it's just hey. amazing. I'm not a dad, so that's that's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. Then, then I now I, I want to go back to where you you brought God into it. Uh, from how, what I've been listening, uh, you know, you said that I, I want to know how, why and how did you go into baking? Because the progression shows that you've been set up for what you're doing now. You you had um, you had um, dietary issues, yeah. And then you're now. How did you go into baking? Then incorporate pharmacy, baking, research, and all this to help people to where they are now. And I think the last thing I wanted to say was I'm just enjoying listening to two pharmacists. We are getting educated here, so well done, Konya. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, why baking? Mm. In fact. <laughs> That well, we have to start somewhere. So I'm a foodie. I've always loved food from when I was a kid, from from as young as uh, from as young as five, if I can remember. I've always loved being in the kitchen, especially with my aunt. So my aunt is actually a pastry chef. The one that I said normally used to get me um, the non-dairy uh, beverages that I used to use when I was in primary school, secondary school. So I've always been fascinated about food. You know, I mean, I, I love food. I've always loved how food tastes and all that. Well, you know, there was a time that I went for a program, you know, at um, JSTAR, JSTAR Leadership Academy. So it, I mean, one of the questions that, that I started asking myself from that training was that, what am I passionate about? What do I really want to do? I, I was, of course, I had actually finished pharmacy then, but I, I didn't have that desire to grow that pharmacy aspect. I like the profession, but I didn't see my heart in it. I always saw my heart in food, you know. So from there, I thought that I loved making food, but I had to now streamline it because I didn't see myself being a caterer. So I said, okay, what's the next thing that I really like? And the next thing that came to my mind is confectionery. I mean, I love cakes. I love dessert. I have a sweet tooth. Anything, cookies, um, crisps, um, candy, chocolate, I'm in. I just love it. So I said, okay, let me that let me start looking at that direction to build a career. And as I started, I thought I really had a passion for making things that are very sweet. And you know, in Nigeria, quality is not something we come across often. And when we do, it's always at a very um, it's at a it comes at a cost. So I said, okay, I wanted to you know 
dwell into that market and see how I can start creating things that taste good using the best quality. So that's where my baking career or my baking business started. And of course, I went for um, service here after I went for that training. And from service here, I started experimenting. But, you know, I, you know, there's this providence that just happened. I stayed with someone that was baking and she, you know, she sort of took me by her hand and guided me a bit. I had my aunt in, I had my aunt there also that would send me emails of recipes and I just kept trying and trying and, you know, with my concussion, people were patronizing me during service year. So after service year, you know, I wanted to actually travel for my master's, but well, that didn't work out. So I worked with someone in community practice who was really more involved in holistic treatment. She was, okay, yes, she's a pharmacist, she has to treat your condition, but she also always made people understand that your body, if your, when your body is not at ease, that is where, you know, diseases come from. So we, we, do, we can't just, I mean, she gave me the understanding of, you don't just treat the condition, you treat the body as a whole. So are there any underlying things? Are you having, yeah, maybe you're not, you're not eating well, there's a, bit, there's a build up of, Existing your system by your exposure to some certain elements. It could be from your environment. It could be from what you're consuming. So she made me, you know, start looking at the aspect of promoting a healthier living than just treating the medical condition. So from there, she started making me understand that even some of the things we eat is actually the ones that lead to us having this, uh, all these reactions. So I said, okay, I like baking. I like making cakes. But now. There are some diabetic patients that cannot take flour. There are some patients that cannot take um, base. So I started looking at that. But after some time, I pushed it aside. But later, around 2016, you know, that thing came up again. Like, okay, gluten, gluten. You know, and as I started doing my research, I saw that there are a lot of people that are having this condition called celiac uh, C-E-L-I-A-C, celiac disease. They can't take gluten at all. And I asked myself, okay, they can't take gluten. So if they go out, how would they eat? How would they, because you know, most times when you go out to eat, there's there's sort of, there's all gluten in the diet. Is it from the crispy chicken you are eating or the pizza or your pasta or whatever, but there's gluten in it. So, and I saw that people are actually coming up over there. And this was in UK. People are already coming up with diet or foods for this particular uh, line of um, uh, individuals that have this medical condition. So I said, okay, and, and well, I won't say unfortunately because I think that there's always a reason why things happen. When my son was born, we also discovered that he had gluten sensitivity. So I said, oh. and by virtue of us not seeing any options in the market, you know, so I said, okay, I need to start looking at this direction, you know, the food he has to eat, and not just any kind of food, it has to be nourishing, it has to be sweet. You know, you know children are very, very observant. We want to give him something that will be different from what the sister is, the sister is eating, you know. And at the same time, we want to deny his sister some of the sweet pleasures of of, uh, of sweet uh, culinary experience just because we want to make our son gluten free diet. So we have to start finding ways to combine those two things. So back to what my was talking about concerning diet. So we have to, you know, start doing our own research. So right now. If our son takes, of course, the basic Nigerian diet, which is the amala, that's the yam flour, um, rice. Then for pasta, what we started giving him now is what we call, there's this noodles that is made from only rice. It's uh, called, it's popular in the, in the market. You might mostly find them in um, Asian stores. 
But now a lot of Nigerians, a lot of Nigerian supermarkets are not carrying it. So he takes that, he takes yam, um, pounder yam, that is um, your pounded yam. But we also have to ensure that we always read labels whenever we buy anything for him. Because some of these so-called flowers that are used for swallow, they've been boxed up with wheat. If so, if you don't read, so they might, you might see in the market, uh, plantain flour, not knowing that the plantain flour, there's a bit of wheat in it, you box it up. Because you know, our standard of, uh, standard of Nigeria, what do, what do they call it? It's not all of them that can certify that these so-called flowers are completely gluten-free. So we read labels a lot. So it takes beans, you know, takes it as akara. It takes it as uh, your regular beans. You eat potato, sweet potato, you can take porridge, it can take um, a fries, you know, um, you know, the regular, both the yam fries, the potato fries, sweet potato fries, you know. And um, so for pastries, I make these pastries for him, you know. I have a special flour that I use. I use combinations of flour to make his pastries. So if I'm going out, I know that, okay, I have to make his pastries for him. Um, cakes, his birthday cake, I make them with um, gluten-free flour. So I use combinations of flour. I use um, the acha, which is the new. I use rice, I use oats, mix them together. And you never know, if I give it to you, you never know that you know, there's no single wheat flour in it. So, and of course, you can't take um, malt. So when we go out, and thank God, even at this age, he already knows that some no-nos. He doesn't take some certain drinks. And of course, my children, we are trying to raise them to be more are being very deliberate about what they consume. So my children don't take all these sweetened drinks. I mean, from the from the onset, they don't take sweetened drinks. The only drink they take is um, Ribena. But of course, you know, I won't say that we don't give them drinks at all. They take this yogurt, but we try to minimize the consumption of any artificially flavored um, yogurt drink. But for him, any drink that he takes is either it's Ribena, because that's a popular brand that is safe, and then maybe other brands that I would have seen, I read the, I would read the, um, what do you call it, the ingredients to be sure that it's safe for him to take. And then of course we take a lot of smoothies in the house also. We prepare smoothies for them, you know. So that's 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 so that's his diet as a whole. But if we are going to go out to eat, we ensure that whatever is going to be eaten is something that, you know, because it's not like you can ask the waiter that okay, I hope this is not contaminated because you never ask us, you know, Nigerians how they can be. But you just look at the menu and be sure that, okay, um, this one, this jello fries is safe. Um, something that is safe, you know, that we know that it's not uh, cause any issue. Then, of course, we take sausages now. Well, the sausage, we have a particular brand that we buy that we, are, that we already know that they don't have gluten. Because now, I think gluten, being gluten sensitive is something that even Nigerians are becoming aware of because there are some cold meat that they even write on the packages that gluten-free. If you go to the to market now. You see even some products that they write gluten-free on it. So I think it's because people are becoming aware. It's just that a lot of people still don't know that there are a group of people that are gluten-sensitive. But being gluten-sensitive um, or gluten-awareness, gluten-free awareness or gluten-sensitivity awareness is becoming more, um, it's something that people are becoming more aware of now. When I talk about this thing, it's a passion of mine. So I, I, um, I just, I'm glad to let people know this information that we, it took us five years of trial and error. It's something that, I, that gives me joy because, you know, when you are empowered, you know, you, you're able to avoid necessary uh, mishaps. There was a story that happened. Let me just interject. There was a story that happened of a child, although this is not a Nigerian, 
the child actually has, I can't remember, I think it was gluten um, sensitivity. Yes. So they traveled to Italy and they went to, and they went to an eatery to, to, you know, of course, for, for, for brunch. And they actually informed the waiter that, that, that they hope that what they want to order for the son doesn't contain or was made in a free or gluten-free environment. And the and the waiter said yes. So they ordered for something, not knowing that the oil that was used in that food had been used to fry something that had gluten, so it was contaminated. So by the time the child took that food, the child just went to anaphylactic uh, shock. And they had um, a adrenaline pen. They had an adrenaline pen, but fortunately the case was so severe that the child died. The child died. So you know, when I heard that, I was like, you know, it was it was such it was so tragic. I said, okay, I mean, you for nobody prays for death, and we have not seen any severe case. But how do we know? A lot of times we don't know because we don't have data in Nigeria. What if somebody had a reaction and it was actually a result of an of an uh, allergic reaction because of the food? Remember very well that when I was in school, my own skin condition it was so severe that people were saying that they were to take they were to take my legs. Oh my goodness! Do you know that? I would like. I, I thought that too. I wouldn't lie. Yes, I had to be admitted in the hospital for one week. The trick it was, oh my goodness. I, I you don't want to know how severe my the treatment is was it was crazy. It was it was it has happened over thirty years and it's still like it's still like yesterday. The way they had to clean that wound. Oh I don't wish it for my enemy. It was terrible. Thank you. I think I, I honestly, it's, I mean, where was, was this was in the early 90s now. We were yeah, probably. It was, it was, it was, I was in just two. Yeah, yeah we were, so that means we were like 10, 11, whatever. Yeah, I was old. 11. Yeah. And we are, me, I vividly remember it. Like, I vividly remember seeing your legs, the dermatitis, the pulse, the. And, and then the both legs, I remember. And then I remember yeah, they, was, they wrapped it. I remember yeah, them was, wrapped it. And I remember your parents coming to come. I think Mr. Atiba, I think he got a parent. Yeah, because you know, because then there was no phone, you know. So after that it asked to take me home. So the parents actually took me to my father's uh, pharmacy. In fact, you know that when I when I when I was coming, I thought I was I thought they were going to uh, take me to under school. My parents took me back. If I said my parents, my friend, they didn't try. Finally, ah, God, there's God. In fact, you should have used that slang. Then there's God. <laughs> yeah, but eh, at least thank God that you've triumphed over it. So um, yeah. I wanted to talk about veganism. I mean, that in fact that was meant to be like the focus of this interview. But I think it was excellent that we went into the whole dietary conversation because I think it's very important yeah. and people will see a lot of value in it. So. We know we, you've done a WB. I mean, we also follow you on social media. So we see you in certain forums and things like that. You're talking about um, veganism or being a vegan or yeah. whatever. But I just wanted yeah. to be clear are you a vegan? <laughs> you yeah, wow. provide vegan. I love meat. I love meat. Oh, I am not a vegan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> because that would have been an interesting conversation. <laughs> is, is that, I, is that long, we all. We all love me. <laughs> hey, my wife, you know that. I actually went to Allen yesterday and I was passing by 
University of Suya. And the aroma of that Suya was in my nose. I said, Lord, I'm not. People that are not taking it are trying. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but first, before I, before I delve into the bigger questions again, I, it, mm. this one that you mentioned here. So, I mean, in fact, we've, we've, we, we know what you look like now. And, and this is an audio podcast. So, people will not be, that don't know you will not be able to see you. But you are quite slim, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. since you were a kid. So is is it just a is it a function of your diet or something or are you just naturally slim? Well, I think for me, first of all, I think genetics has a has a role to play in it. Yeah. Then secondly, uh, I am not much of a of an eater. Like I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't have I don't consume much calories. Let me put that way. So I so I think that has been a role. Then I think um, another thing that I really I started I, I would say I started but I don't just I don't eat out that much. My my intake of of the food that is heavy in calories is very minimal, you know. So I think that played a role in my in my size, you know. Then I don't then I don't eat three times a day. I only eat twice a day. I'm not a breakfast person. I don't I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat, I, don't, I can't I don't eat breakfast. Yeah. So I have my major meal. Then I then another thing again is that maybe because of my the years of my um, community practice, I'm very, very deliberate about quantity of what I eat and what I actually eat, what I eat itself. You know, I'm very, very conscious of it. You know, I, I, my desire is that when I'm in my 90s, I'm still strong, I'm still working. So I'm very conscious of my consumption of um, um, beverages. You know, I don't eat out that much. I'm very careful about taking refined food, you know. So I think that really a major role on my size per se you know i don't and i'm not i'm not, a, I'm not you won't see me with like when it refers to my my wife wants to sell me two pieces of me so what you know then my if i'm going to take swallow i just you will see, you will see the quality of swallow i take <laughs> and i and i think i think generally my i have a small tongue I, I think my stomach is small i think so because even if i take a bowl of food i'm already satisfied i don't understand i can't push it further it won't go so i'm so that well, so that's, I, so that's I say you are fortunate I say you're fortunate <laughs> because we eat once only once or twice a day, but we still get with one way or the other. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> because, I, just, I don't think I eat more than twice a day for at least the past when five I saw days. You, <laughs> can you remember when I saw you? That was I think 2009 or so or 10. Okay, I'd say yeah. I was like, I was like, wow. <laughs> ah, no. And I think it's, it's it's based on what I eat. You know why? Because my brother. My junior brother, if you see him, is is big. Is is like okay. I can say it. My weight is. I think I'm 57 kg, 57. Yeah. My brother is. I think 90 something. And he's even trying to watch it now. Let me make you laugh. I weighed 55 kg in year one of of um university. So that was like 99. So how did what how like like I. I, 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 I how do people no seriously as a matter i'm like that thing just gets me like how do people do like what? because people keep telling me that it's the same food i'm like yeah what is this the same food? you know because okay one thing is that one thing i saw is that most times when people finish from school when they start working they get married in blue okay me too i started working i got my i never everything comes so i've just back let me let me use that word i'm not even bothered again <laughs> I'm not and of course, I'm, I think I'm I'm even happier about it now because I'm like, okay, I don't want to have any 
health issues. You know, I don't want to have any issues with my health at all. You know, like diabetes, hypertension. Even my blood pressure is 99 over 77. I, I, I never have done one or anything. It's always been 96, 99. So I, so I thank God. And my dad too, I had a very clean bill of health. He, He's not diabetic. He's not. He's not any. He's not anything. He, and of course, my dad too. My dad. My sorry. My dad is very conscious of what he eats. He doesn't take anything except water when it comes to fluid. He doesn't take. Okay, maybe I don't know whether he takes tea, but he doesn't take even juice, orange juice. He doesn't take. If he's going to take orange juice, if he's going to take any juice, he's going to prepare it himself naturally. He doesn't take. Then of course, then he takes unsweetened yogurt. You know. He takes on sweetened yogurt. But apart from that, nothing. Doesn't take milk. It doesn't take no candy. No, no, nothing. Yeah, I mean, we've established now that you're not a vegan, and your yes, your physique, your your physique, which we are envious of, is obviously as a result <laughs> of control and you know watching what you eat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so this vegan thing in the first place, like you said, yes, we've established yeah. you're not vegan, but. What does it mean? Because and when did this whole thing even start? Because I remember when we were kids, at least from my own perspective, I remember hearing about vegetarians a lot. Like mm-hmm. that's what we used to hear. But like what, this whole vegan thing, what does it mean? What's the difference really? And what do you think started the whole? Is, is it a movement now? Or what? How do I call it? Or has it always been existent? For some reason, we just weren't hearing about it much. As when it comes to to vegan and in terms of also your what you do like mm. do you uh, i know you've mentioned it but maybe you just want to talk more about it like what you offer in terms of vegan uh, whether it's recipes diet or some kind of food or something okay so vegan to be a vegan that means that you don't take anything that is produced by an animal or is sourced from animals so anything that that has to come from a living being that breeds that produces and um reproduces basically a living being sort of they don't consume it now there is a different line of thought some people are vegan because they believe that if they consume or if they take anything that is from an animal they're taking a life so some people are taking it for um ethical reasons while some people they started the vegan journey for because of health issues they discover that um maybe the family history of consumption of um, first of all most of them maybe when they started uh, consuming things like your meat dairy you know things that are basically produced from animals which you know your eggs and things like that they have certain medical conditions and when you know the doctor now advised them maybe they saw a nutritionist and they said okay let's take away um this from your diet maybe some of them maybe may, some of them might even be maybe they're trying to um reduce their cholesterol level maybe they're having some health implications maybe tending towards obesity so they said okay let them even stay away from some certain animal produce so when they saw that okay they are getting better they are they are, they are, they are they've improved in their vitality they now said okay let them even now remove any sort of animal produce and a lot of them, I mean, they, they, they testified to the fact that, that they saw a, a general 360 degree change in their overall well-being. So I now discovered that it now became sort of a fad, you know, like, okay, oh, let me not take animals so that I can be in this class of people. I don't think majority of them are taking it because of their health. I don't think so. Because one thing I know is that even some people that are vegan, especially those that are introducing their children to a vegan diet, is actually not beneficial because children need iron. 
And the iron that these children need are majorly gotten from red meat. So when these children are, are, are not, this, when red meat is not included or protein, which is majorly gotten from animals, if it's not included, the children become malnourished. They don't develop very well. So there's a line of, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a line of thought that even if you're going to introduce, um, if you're going to abstain from some certain food groups, don't be thoroughly vegan. You can be a vegetarian and still include uh, what they call this thing, um, eggs, because eggs are actually very, very good for brain development. It's high in omega-3. There's a particular protein that is in eggs that they actually advise that children that are autistic to be eating because it helps to develop their brain. So for me, if I'm going to take, if I'm going to want, if I'm going to go that line of, you know, changing your diet, maybe, maybe you might want to do maybe because maybe you're trying to watch your cholesterol level because they've actually shown a correlation between consumption of red meat and your cholesterol, and your cholesterol level. But there is white meat, which is your chicken and your fish, you know, which you can take, which is healthy. I mean, healthier, you understand? So I believe that, you know, you have to just weigh your options. For, for me, I'm not really in that line of going all vegan. You can do vegetarian, you know, you can, you know, because like now, you know that if you're going to go on that vegan diet, you can't take honey. Oh, sorry, not vegan, uh, yeah, vegan. You can't take honey because, because they believe honey is from bees. But don't they know that bees actually produce the honey for our own benefit? So it's almost like people are producing things. They're not actually, they're not killing a bee to take their honey. But some people, people that are on this vegan lifestyle, they feel that you should not even include honey in your diet. So, some, so I feel it's an extreme, it's an extreme, you know. But some people, they started the vegan lifestyle and you know, they're better off for it. Even I know, I even heard of a story of a lady that she took only fruits for like 20 something years. Fruits only, raw fruits, no, nothing cooked, no, no grains, no, uh, okay, she, I think she took um, legumes, but no grains, but legumes and fruits only, raw, raw diet. And she says she's doing fine, you know, but at the same time, as doctors tested her, are we, at, are we at her house? Do we really know whether she's not taking, maybe she's, she's not sneaking in rice and beans with a fried fish <laughs> on one day? We don't know. Mm -hmm. People just come online to say all sorts, but are we really there with them to really certify that, yes, indeed? It's on, that's why I always like, and all this that I've told you uh, today, I go to medical journals. I don't just go online and Google. No, I go to medical journals, British Medical Journal, American Journal, Journal for Health, Pediatric Journals. That is where I check my research. Research to show, although some researches differ, but I still check on research. Even this, the one that I told you about, the correlation between um, ASD, that is Autistic Spectrum Disorder, and gluten-free, casein-free diet, is based on research. Researchers actually conducted it. They discovered that when they placed a group of children on a gluten-free, casein-free diet. They were even more attentive in class. They were more receptive. They would remember things better, you know. To those children that, that are autistic, but they're giving dairy, they're giving um, gluten. Then another line that I actually now discovered, even is for children that are having SP, that is cerebral palsy. Children, on, children that have cerebral palsy, because of their condition, you know, they are mostly stationary. So them taking a gluten diet doesn't help their digestion. Them taking dairy doesn't help their digestion. A lot of them, they have issues with their bubbles. They always have severe case of constipation. So they too, 
their diet has to be modified to ease their bowel movement. You know, because they don't, they can't move. You know, you know some, I mean, some, some of the severe cases whereby they are basically uh, paralyzed. They are, they, are, they are really immobile. Some are mobile, but majority of them, their bowel movement, they, they don't perform well because of their diet. You know, so if one wants to go on a vegan diet, I don't really, uh, I'm not a, uh, a supporter of a vegan diet. You know, I am not, especially for children. If you are in your maybe if you are in your thirties, yeah, you might want to choose that life, but not for kids. You know, children they need the basic six class of of, um, of foods in their diet, well balanced. But people that are doing fat, they are also now bringing children. That's why you see people taking tofu. They say they want to take tofu, but even tofu will not give you the iron. Because how many people take iron regularly? But your red meat will give you iron. But, um, so that's. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Fedaya. So I mean, so basically, I mean, what you offer is obviously gluten-free options, yeah. especially for yes, yes. people with certain conditions or people who want to, you know, maybe for health reasons want to pursue a, a type of diet or something. So I, I mean, that makes sense. Because I always used to wonder with the whole vegan thing, and especially what you pointed out about, I'm now thinking somebody is really vegan, like so all the other mm-hmm. things like iron and all those other bites. Where are they getting them from? Where are they getting for that means they have to be taking supplements or what? Yes. Yes, that's it. That's the only thing that makes sense. Okay. Mm. It's fine. So, I mean, so like, so in your services, maybe somebody has a uh, autistic um, child or something and they are looking to adjust their diet, diet, which is usually a recommendation. So, like, is is that, that's like a service that you offer, Avi? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Even I actually, because there was, a, there was a time I actually made a timetable for my son. It's just that, you know, the thing is that people must be committed to work, to, to work it. You know, um, yeah, anything you want to do, you have to be ready to put the work. So mm-hmm. if, you, you know, a, a lot of Nigerians, you know, by time, you know, abroad, it's easy. You can walk into a store and you can see gluten-free options. Easy. Yeah. Whether beef, snacks, whether it's the prepared foods for a lot of parents, you know, and that's why I always try to even let people know that you don't have to even look for a cook or a chef. By the time you see the class of food that you can introduce into your child's diet, you can even make the whole family start taking that class. You don't have to now say, okay, I prepare, because what I've heard some parents say is that, oh, I have to prepare this one for this one. I have to now prepare this special one for this one. No. You know, we can now make that the general diet for everyone. But it's just when they are not, it's just because the use of them are not informed. That's yeah, thanks, Ife. Yeah, Ife, two questions. What, what was your this is 40 moment? I, I'm, you're over 40, I guess, or you're just 40. So what was your this is 40 moment? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be when you were 40. Something that, you know, when you grew up, like, ah, man, I don't turn man. No. And secondly, what is your nerdiest moment? This I'm sure it's called Nerd Talk Niger. So what was the nerdiest thing you've done? Okay. Um, okay, so my defining... Oh, I think for me, my defining... Okay, I'm, I'm, well, I'm like, yeah, I'm age rate. I'm 41. So for me, um, I think... Um, I still feel yeah. useful. Honestly, that's, that's the truth. I still feel very useful. I don't feel... I just feel like I'm 20. Well, I think for me, for my 40 moment, I think it's, you know, when I, when I talk, talk to my kids, I think I'll say that when I talk to my kids and I'm able to, like, yeah. um, relate, yeah. you know, like a father speaking to his daughter, father speaking to his daughter, and I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm now really, 
the nerdiest thing I've done, actually watching cartoons and and feeling and feeling, feeling cool, feeling cool with it. Yeah, thanks, Ifa. I think um, Ifa is a nerd now. <laughs> <laughs> Him just existing is nerdy enough. Well, well now. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a, uh, and I and I and yes, okay. I think yes, okay. I, I think another thing I can say. Let me say this: the nerdiest thing I've done is. Seeing a football coming, like if they're if they're playing ball, seeing it and, and running the other direction. Because if I kick that ball, it will go the other way. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't agree. So when I see a ball, I'm not like like now. Let's let's say I'm crossing the road and I see guys playing ball. I'm like, God, don't just let them kick that ball to me because I'm going to. I will disgrace myself today. <laughs> so if I see a ball coming. I just look the other way, like, don't, don't, uh-huh. I won't kick it. I'll just walk away. Yeah, this, uh, this is not for me. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, man. Okay, you're making the head look bad, though. Which one is uh, the ball running away from ball? Yeah? We'll give you, we'll I don't give, like ball. We'll give you another name for that one. Don't, don't put on <laughs> that oh, I don't put it that one. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I, I don't like both. I'm, 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 I'm just I've never. I'm just kidding. 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 I'm just Yeah, high embrace the mic with a brotherly embrace. This is me rapping now, the other me awaits. I walk through the gates at an awkward pace. When they hunters stay farm, come and talk to Jake before it's too late. The more metaphors that I make, the more that I pray. For all y'all, I offer the same. Deal that I was given, I appealed and I admitted I was guilty. Case closed, still feel that I am winning. I'm Charlie Sheen, smoking barley green, preaching about one love like Bob Marley's dream. We couldn't escape the cave, now I'm breaking the wall. I understand how it's all about taking the fall. I'm waking us all, wake up, smell the folders. It's over, I told you. Grab the mic, show us you a soldier, standing shoulder to shoulder. Captain Cold Crush, King Cobra, indulging in the cannabis aroma. Peace to the masters.